Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we kick off our ranking series with a look at where the Winnipeg Jets forward group sits amongst the best of the best in the NHL. But first, a word from our friends over at DraftKings. The most magical time of the year is finally here. The first Sunday of the NFL season is just days away. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has got you covered with a way or two to make some easy cash. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the glorious return of the NFL season by betting just $1 on any football game this weekend, you'll receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what else happens. That's right, all new customers get $200 in free bets instantly, and all you gotta do is bet at least $1 on any football game, so it's really a must-win opportunity for anybody that doesn't have a DraftKings account just yet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hello, everybody. Hello. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Hopefully everyone enjoyed the Labor Day weekend, especially after the Bombers kicked the ever-living crap out of the Rough Riders on Sunday. I'll tell you what, that defense is something special. I'll 100% eat a ton of crow about being wrong, and I think a lot of others, right, uh, about being wrong on a Richie Hall-led defense, being good enough to win a Grey Cup. But to go into Saskatchewan like that, in the LDC, which has haunted this damn city for way too long, and to kick the crap physically... Like, to physically beat down the Riders. That was awesome to see. And then you got Zach Kolaros throwing dimes 
all over the place. A ton of fun. Let's hope the Bombers can do it again this upcoming weekend with the Banjo Bowl. As we roll into the month of September, it's one of my favorite months of the year because while summer is awesome and all, I'm kind of done with the offseason. <laughs> I, I, I've had enough of it. I'm ready to go. We're still a month away before the puck officially drops on the upcoming NHL regular season, but I'm in go time mode already. So I think it's time that we officially look forward to the upcoming campaign. And we'll do that here on Skates and Plates as we kick off our ranking series for the second straight year. Now, pretty simple concept, obviously, but for those that missed it last year here, this is how it all goes down. We'll go position by position and see where the Winnipeg Jets rank across the NHL, forwards, defense, goalie, coach, everything like that. A few caveats with the way I go about my rankings. Um, I mean, again, nothing too crazy, but... This is just for this upcoming season and playoffs. So, you know, in this particular case, just a ranking of which forward group you would most want to have to try to win a cup that season. So age is, you know, somewhat taken into account, but this is primarily about the present. So a young up-and-coming team might get hurt a little bit in the rankings to a, you know, a more veteran-laden group. But this is all just purely about trying to win the Stanley Cup this upcoming season. The other piece is that because we're so locked in on the present, I don't put any emphasis in these rankings based on how good or bad a team's salary cap situation is. Now, this is especially important, and I'm saying this because uh, the number one team on this list fits very uniquely with that, but we're not concerned with how efficiently a team spends their cap space. All that matters is which forward groups ice are the best talent-wise, not salary cap wise, so while it's nice to have efficient contracts and all that, that isn't going to apply too much with these rankings. So with that in mind, let's get right to it here. Now, we'll see if the Jets can improve on their ranking last season when they were the 10th best forward group on the list in the NHL. But before we get to that, we'll work our way down from 32 all the way to number one and we'll see where the Winnipeg Jets crack on the rankings. Now, we're up to 32 now in the NHL because the Seattle Kraken are now in the league, but unfortunately for fans in Buffalo, that didn't keep you from the 32 spot. We'll get to Seattle in just a little bit here, but I have the Buffalo Sabres with the worst forward group in the NHL, and honestly, that's with Jack Eichel, <laughs> right? Like, if, if Jack Eichel is gone, this is one of the worst forward groups I think we've ever seen in the NHL during the salary cap era. Like, you might have to go back to the, I, I guess, the expansion teams in, what, 98, 99, with the Predators and the Wild and the Blue Jackets and all that. I mean, this is just atrocious. And even, you know, if and when Jack Eichel is moved, it's only going to be for prospects. Like, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of current roster players to come in and pick up the slack. Buffalo is just so, so horrendous. Which is saying something because I have Arizona at 31 and the Coyotes have an awful forward group. But at least they have, you know, a couple top six options. And that's a few more than the Buffalo Sabres have right now. Rounding out the bottom of the barrel, Anaheim 30. Not a whole lot there. And I think once they trade Ryan gets life, it's going to be really slim pickings with the Ducks. I have them followed by Detroit. And then, I mean, it's surprising just to see them this low. But when you look at what they have, I don't think it's all that surprising. I have the Nashville Predators with the 28th best forward group in the NHL. And it might be 
the worst cap-wise forward group in the NHL with the Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne contracts, even though that doesn't play into their spot on this list. But you move on from Victor Arvidsson. There is a, no doubt about it, second-line piece gone from the team. I mean, they're really, really banking on Eli Tolvanen taking a major leap into the stratosphere, which if, if you listened to our last episode on Friday with our bold predictions, Tyson's kind of leaning that way. I myself am not seeing that happening. I, I There's just not a lot to get excited about with Nashville up front right now. And we'll see what happens too with the Philip Forsberg situation. Upcoming UFA there. They say they want to sign him, but if they are falling closer to the bottom of the central early on, you wonder if they do try to get a King's Ransom for, in my opinion, the only impact piece up front for the Predators. So that rounds out the bottom five in the NHL at 27. You know, I think a lot of people are a little too high on this team right now. Some great young pieces, but I have the Ottawa Senators with the 27th best forward group in the NHL. And the reason for that is they're just, I, I think they're too young. I mean, th there's a lot of talent there, but I just think in another year, we might be looking at the Senators being somewhere, you know, closer to the top 10 than closer to the bottom. But, you know, Tim Stutzla is only going to be 19, you know, Norris, Kachuk, Batherson, all these great young pieces, but I just don't think they're quite there yet. If I had to pick, I would take some more established forward groups. Like the LA Kings at number 26, who, you know, to be honest, are only there because Andre Kopitar is still one of the top two-way centers in the NHL. And then you sign Philippe Deneau, another great two-way center. Don't don't love the mix there. There's not a, high, a lot of high-end skill, but I'll take the Kings at, at 26. That's followed by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we all know how intriguing that team could be this upcoming season. I do think we see a bit of a motivated Patrick Laine. I'm not sure what his line is going to look like. It might be Jack Roslovic beside him down the middle and, and Jake Voracek as well. But I think we see a better Patrick Laine this season. I'll be curious what we get out of Jack Roslovic for 82 games because he had that amazing start with the Jackets right out of the gate. He was a point-of-game player on the highlight reel every night, it seemed like. But he kind of tailed off as the season progressed. So I'll be intrigued to see if if Jack Roslovic is, you know, a 70-point first-line centerman. Or is he more of a 50-60 point really solid second-line centerman on a good team. I, I'm very, very intrigued to see what Jack Roslovic does this season. 24, we have the San Jose Sharks. They're followed by the Seattle Kraken at 23. Again, they're really following the Vegas mold to a T. It doesn't look like they'll have any, you know, big superstar high-end talent right out of the gate, but that's going to be four lines of solid players making it a really, really hard to play against. Although I do think Yanni Gord is going to have, a, I guess, a quote-unquote breakout season. You know, tough to do so when you centered one of the most effective lines for the back-to-back -back cup champions, but I won't be shocked if Yanni Gord reaches point-per-game status this season. 22, the Minnesota Wild. I did not know this until I looked it up, but the Minnesota Wild were eighth in goals for this past season, which is not the Minnesota Wild we've all come to expect. Obviously, Kirill Kaprasov is the big reason for the Wild's offensive explosion. I, I love everything about him, but, you know, you look at the rest of the group and it's solid. You know, it's, it's kind of, you know, Seattle-esque when you look at it, but... 
I, I just need a little more down the middle for me to push them a bit higher. But maybe I'm being a little too hard on, on Minnesota here. But I, a bit of an underwhelming offseason, in my opinion, for the Wild. We'll have them in at 22. The New Jersey Devils at 21. They, like Ottawa, might see the biggest potential jump. You know, if all their number one picks finally start to put it together. Montreal at number 20. The Christian Dvorak trade helps boost them up a couple of spots. I mean, I, I know Kakanyemi was the third overall pick, but Christian Dvorak's a better player. That, that, that's all there is to it. So I, th I think Montreal actually ended up, you know, pretty well with the whole offer sheet scenario. I'm super, super high on, on Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield having a big season. But I do wonder if we see Tyler Toffoli as effective this upcoming year. And I don't really love the bottom six in Montreal all that much. Although I am looking forward to seeing Matthew Perot get a crack to see where he fits into the Habs lineup. I, I, I mean, I wonder if he even gets into game one. If you take a look at who they have there, you know, Joel Armia currently on the fourth line, but would love to see Matty Pro get a chance to play for the hometown team. We head into the top 20 now, 19, the Calgary Flames. You know, I don't love the direction the Flames are heading in just because I, I think their ceiling is, you know, second round appearance. I don't think they can get much further than that, but I, I don't mind their forward group. Again, we're not talking about salary cap considerations here. I think Blake Coleman was paid too much money. But in the present, he's a hell of a player. That's a great addition to their middle six. The reason I don't have Calgary higher, though, is that ultimately I think they're done in by the fact that Sean Monaghan is, you know, more of a 1B, 2A centerman than a true, no doubt about it, number one. Fascinating to see how his situation plays out and if he's with the Calgary Flames by next season. A central team at 18. The Chicago Blackhawks. Kind of a tough one to get a handle on just because, you know, Kirby Doc has all the potential in the world, but he barely played any games last season and a, and a tough one at that. And then you have the whole Jonathan Taves situation. I mean, nobody knows what to expect, I think, out of Jonathan Taves this upcoming season. Hopefully, you know, he's at least as close to 100% as he can be. So to me, there's a lot of potential variance with Chicago, that could see them drop, you know, a lot lower in the rankings or maybe move up as high as the top 10. But for now, we'll play it safe and put them in at 18. The Capitals may be surprising to some people. I have as the 17th best forward group in the NHL. You know, I guess there's two reasons for that. One, I mean, they're just old as hell. I mean, hey, I, I get that the talent is still there, but I just think we've seen them diminish in effectiveness these past couple of postseasons specifically right like it's been three straight years of underwhelming first round exits for the Washington Capitals and I just think five on five they're not as fearsome as they used to be on the power play they are as good as anybody in the NHL but when you get into the playoffs and things tighten up we just haven't seen the Capitals as explosive offensively and I'm actually going to kind of predict a bit of a downfall for them this season so I just think there's a few teams I would rather have with their group up front despite them still employing the greatest goal scorer that's ever played the game in Alex Ovechkin right in the middle we actually have a couple New York based teams and this again might surprise some people but I have the Rangers 16th the Islanders 15th and a lot of people might be saying how in the hell could you have the Islanders as a better forward group than the New York Rangers 
there's two main reasons for me. One, while the Rangers have you know one of the best winger groups in the entire NHL, I think they're pretty weak down the middle after Mika Zibanejad. I mean, Ryan Strom, point-wise, is able to put up some pretty impressive numbers. I think that's extremely inflated playing beside Artemi Panarin. And the second thing is, they don't play a lot of defense. The New York Islanders forwards might be the best defensive group in the entire NHL. And on top of that, they're they're pretty damn underrated offensively, I think. I mean, Matt Barzell, I think, has proven that he's one of the most electric weapons in the NHL. Lee, Nelson, Beauvillier, Pajot on the third line. I mean, even Oliver Wallstrom had a great year as a, as a rookie with the Islanders this past season. And getting Kyle Palmieri re-signed. So you lose Everly, but you're able to bring Kyle Palmieri back into the fold. I, I think there's some some real sneaky good offensive talent with the Islanders. And to go along with their defensive capabilities, for me, that's good enough to put the Islanders ahead of the New York Rangers. Back to the Central at number 14, the Dallas Stars. Interesting with the Stars now that Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn aren't really carrying the mail there anymore. They've kind of become the the supporting piece to the Rupe Hints, Robertson, and Joe Pavelski line. All three of those in and around a point a game this past season. I, I wonder like how good Pavelski can be at 37, but Rupe Hintz really, really took a major step forward this past season. And Jason Robertson at 22 was just under a point a game, and you know if not for Kaprizov, ends up winning the Calder Trophy. So a lot to like in Dallas, but I just think that the teams ahead of them have a little more either offensive firepower or depth at their disposal. So we're getting pretty close to the top 10 right now. Still no Winnipeg Jets, for those wondering. We'll get to them in just a second. Not at number 13, though. We're going with the Vegas Golden Knights. And this is where, you know, I've always kind of ranked the Vegas forwards, I think a lot lower than a lot of other people would. But this is a forward rankings, not not a team rankings. I think people need to remember that. Their forward group is, is good to really good. But I don't think it's great. And really, Vegas's firepower is driven by how good their blue line is. Like, a lot of their offense is defense-created. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and when we talk about defense cores, they're easily going to be in the top five. But I think if you're just talking strictly a forward group, the Vegas Golden Knights are not great down the middle. Mark Stone, I mean, kind of mitigates that because he's one of the rare wingers that can carry his own line. And Max Pacioretty has been a revelation for the Knights since moving over from Montreal. But to me, that's a big, big piece that's missing to push them up into the top 10, no doubt about it. Maybe they do it. And and hey, if Jack Eichel is heading to Vegas and and they don't have to give up a whole lot on their roster, they're going to move way, way up the list, way, way up, easily into the top five. But for now, for me, that lack of a number one center is going to keep Vegas outside the top 10. Coming in at 12, I have my Philadelphia Flyers. I, I wanted to put them into the top 10 somewhere, but let's face it. I mean, four-fifths of the team had an absolutely nightmarish season. It's kind of hard after a year like that to convince everybody that, yeah, don't worry about it. That's a top 10 forward group there. I think they can bounce back, but, oh, man, they need a lot of things to go right. And it can, but they need a lot of things to go right to get back into the top 10 where I had them last season. Just outside the top 10, the Boston Bruins at number 11. 
they were a really tough team for me to rank because they might still have the best line in all of hockey. I know, you know, Colorado and Tampa Bay have something to say about that. But the perfection line still is as good as it gets across the NHL. This ranking is not an indication of what I think about Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak. But to me, the loss of David Krejci is massive. And they haven't found a way to replace that hole just yet. Maybe it happens sometime during the season. I think Ryan Getzlaff is is ultimately going to be that player. But until then, to me, that loss pushes Boston just outside of the top 10. Still a good group of forwards, but just not as dangerous as they were last season. I think I had Boston somewhere around 6 or 7. So if they can find a replacement for David Krejci, we'll have them definitely ahead of the Winnipeg Jets. But for now, we keep Boston outside the top 10. Right at number 10, let's get to it. The St. Louis Blues, another central team. They've got kind of a sneaky good forward group, I think, this upcoming season. I mean, the addition of Brandon Saad, a, a pretty savvy free agent signing for only $4.5 million. On top of that, the Buchnevich trade was just a double-decker home run, giving up a depth player in Sammy Blaze and a draft pick to get Pavel Buchnevich. I love the way that second line looks for the St. Louis Blues with David Perron and Buchnevich along with Braden Shen. The one thing with St. Louis, we'll see what happens with Vladimir Tarasenko as we move forward. But despite how unhappy and, and how fractured that relationship appeared a few months ago, I don't know how many teams can find a way to make a trade like that work with $7.5 million on the cap. So that might end up actually working to St. Louis's benefit now that everything is said and done. They're able to keep a potential 35 goal scorer on their roster as opposed to trading him for basically nothing. On top of that, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, if they take another step forward this season, this might be a forward group. It might be a Blues team that switches it up a little bit from the, you know, sit back and, and stifle you defensive hockey they've been known for to eh, maybe open it up a little bit, play some run and gun hockey. Moving on, a team that will definitely need to play some running good hockey this season with what they have on their blue line. Stay tuned for next week's episode when we rank the decors. But the Vancouver Canucks, things are looking much more positive on the offensive side of things. And I have the Canucks with the ninth best forward group in the NHL. I think Pedersen's going to have a big bounce back season. But adding Connor Garland onto the team is a major, major upgrade. And it might just be that that piece that puts the Canucks over the top offensively. I mean, Hoglander and Pukolzin, too, as the third line. I mean, Vancouver, there's a lot wrong in Vancouver. But when we're talking forward core, there aren't too many better than what the Canucks have to offer. And then we get to number eight overall. And that's where the Winnipeg Jets finally unveil themselves on this list. I have the Winnipeg Jets with the eighth best forward group. In the entire NHL, that's a two-spot jump over where they were last year, which is interesting because they've lost a couple of pieces in that time with Appleton and Perot out the door. And then the big switch, obviously, of Patrick Laine for Pierre-Luc Dubois. So before we get into why I have the Winnipeg Jets at number eight, I'll just unveil the rest of my list here. The Pittsburgh Penguins are just ahead of the Winnipeg Jets at number 7. The reason I have Pittsburgh ahead of Winnipeg right now, I think they're just slightly better all across the board. I mean, it's tough even at his age to pick against Sidney Crosby right now. But even the second line, 
Everyone's talking like Evgeny Malkin fell off a cliff last season. He was barely under a point a game. That would be Pierre-Luc Dubois' best season as a second-line center. So you, you look at what the Penguins still have there. Their bottom six to me beats out Winnipeg's bottom six by a fair margin, especially with their fourth line. To have guys like Zach Aston Reese and Teddy Bluger on your fourth line, that pushes them ahead of Winnipeg, the bottom six more so than the top six. At number six, the Florida Panthers. And the addition of Sam Reinhardt probably pushes them ahead of the Winnipeg Jets, to be honest, but that was an underrated forward group last year with Carter Varhage and Anthony Duclair being the perfect complementary wingers to Alex Barkov. And Jonathan Huberto continues to have underrated season after underrated season. So I have Florida at number six. Toronto, yes, I have Toronto at number five. I know, I know, but you know, despite paying a lot of these guys too much money, you have the league's best goal scorer in Austin Matthews. Mitch Marner, who I feel like might almost be underrated at this point with all the heat that he's getting. Mitch Marner is good for 100 points next season, no doubt about it. I mean, Tavares and Nylander are essentially point-of-game players. The third line doesn't look so great with the Maple Leafs, but they have the league's best fourth liner, surprisingly, in Jason Spezza. So, you know, I, there, there's still some question marks with Toronto overall. But I think with the high-end talent that they have there right now, I'm comfortable putting them at number five. Number four, the Carolina Hurricanes. They've put together one hell of a forward group over there. Despite some losses this offseason, I still love what they're building. And we'll see what kind of a season Martin Netcash has again for them on the second line. Uh, but into the top three, to me, there's no doubt about these three teams. You could probably put them either way, and I'm not going to fight you a whole lot over it. But I have the Colorado Avalanche. At number three, just because we saw them lose Brandon Saad and Jonas Donskoy for nothing this past offseason. So those two losses dropped them a little bit in the rankings here. The Tampa Bay Lightning lost their entire third line. And they're still the second ranked team of the NHL for me when it comes to forwards, which is astonishing. And, and I think just really underlines how unbelievable they were these past few seasons. Don't be surprised either if by the end of the year they find themselves in the number one spot. But number one for me, the best forward group in the NHL. It sounds weird to say it, but I got to go with the Edmonton Oilers. I have to. I mean, it's completely buoyed by the fact that Connor McDavid is on another planet compared to everybody else in the NHL. And then you have the second best point producer right after him and Leon Dreisaitl. But while I don't think the contract of Zach Hyman is going to end up well in the end, for the Edmonton Oilers, going into this season, he's a no doubt about a top-line guy. Like, they added him for nothing other than cap space. So while you can disagree with how the contract is going to play out, going into this season, he's going to bring a ton of value to the Edmonton Oilers and, and might be a really, really, really good complimentary piece for Connor McDavid. Plus, the Warren Fogle trade, again, while you can quibble about whether moving Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle was ultimately making the Edmonton Oilers better, he makes their forward group a lot better. He's a really, really solid depth piece for the Carolina Hurricanes. And then you add Derek Ryan as well, a guy that you know I, I think could be a good fourth liner for the Edmonton Oilers this year. So look, there's no doubt about it, holes to fill, specifically at third line center for the Oilers. But when you're talking about Connor McDavid almost at two points a game, and then Leon Dreisaitl at one and a half points per game, 
I'll take the problems that come with having those two and deal with the rest after that. So I have the Edmonton Oilers with the best forward group in the NHL. Still feels weird to say that one out loud. But let's get back to why you guys are all here to find out where the Winnipeg Jets are and now why they are my eighth best forward group in the NHL. A few reasons for that. I mean, one, we've seen a few teams fall out of the top 10 last year as opposed to this year. That's the Bruins and the Flyers dropping. But I guess the main reason why I have the Jets at 8th, and I, I think this is going to depend on whether you have the Jets as a top 10 forward group or if you have them somewhere in the 10 to 15 range. But the reason I have the Jets ranked where they are is because I feel like this is the season that we finally see Winnipeg have a 1B centerman, something they have lacked since the team came back to Winnipeg. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of unlocks the riddle that we've all been waiting for and becomes a no-doubt-about-it elite second-line centerman. If you think Pierre-Luc Dubois is not going to be that guy, and, and maybe more so last year than what we saw out of him in Columbus, then yeah, you're probably not going to have the Jets in the top 10. But I, I just think there's a lot of things working in PLD's favor for him to have a monster year by his standards this upcoming year. You know, most importantly, it's a contract year for him, all right? Like, this is a chance for Pierre-Luc Dubois, whether it's in Winnipeg or somewhere else, to make a boatload of money on his next contract. And it's going to be maybe his best chance to cash in, you know, heading into his soon-to-be mid-20s. So I, I think that is a huge motivating factor and a positive for the Winnipeg Jets this year. Two, I mean, he's just going to be flat-out way more comfortable with, with everything here, right? I mean, he gets traded during a pandemic season. He's quarantined for two weeks. He comes in. He gets hurt. He's out for a few more weeks. It, it just, everything snowballed in a negative sense for Pierre-Luc Dubois last season. I think a fresh start is going to do him a world of good. And on top of that, he's going to have a couple damn good linemates beside him, whoever it may be. I mean, if it's Nikolai Ehlers, then I think we see Dubois have a really, really big season. But even if it is... You know, some combination of Stasny, Connor, Wheeler, whatever it may be. You know, we're talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois playing with, for sure, you know, a couple of good second-line options. In all likelihood, at least one first-line talent beside him. So, that to me is the biggest reason why I have the Jets at number 8 in the NHL. is because I'm really, really high on Pierre-Luc Dubois having a bounce-back season this upcoming year. The other thing too, and I've I've wondered about this for a while now, but we all know the biggest issue with the Jets as a forward group for a few years now has been their, how could I say this politely, their lack of solid play inside their own zone. They are not good defensively. You're not going to get any argument from me on that one, especially in the top six. I mean, Lowry and Kopp, obviously good defensive forwards. But I, I wonder if we maybe see some of that some of those defensive shortcomings mitigated a bit this season with the improvements made to the decor. You know, I, I know I said it's just a look at forward groups and, and not what is behind these guys, but I do wonder if maybe the Jets, you know, maybe we're a bit too harsh on their defensive play because the blue liners behind them haven't been up to snuff. They haven't been league average for a few seasons now, and that changes in a big, big way this season. So there, there's that part of it too where, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit kinder to the Winnipeg Jets because I think they're going to have better defensive play behind them this upcoming season. A couple other notes I think to keep an eye on as to 
you know, again, whether or not you have the Jets 8th, 10th, 12th, 6th, whatever it may be. But one reason why I'm also maybe a little bit higher on the Jets heading into this season is that I think this upcoming year is finally the year that Nikolai Ehlers sees a big, big boost in his ice time. I mean, let's face it. Nick Ehlers not playing first-line minutes this season would be absolutely criminal. There, there's no there's no logical reasoning to it anymore. You, you just you can't convince me. And I know Paul Maurice has made the argument in the past, and, and even as early as last season, that you know Nikolai Ehlers plays his best when he's at 16, 17 minutes, and Paul Maurice can pick and choose his matchups. I'm not buying that anymore either. And I don't know if I ever did buy it, to, to be honest, as well. I mean... It's, it's kind of twofold. One, Nikolai Ehlers is one of the best point-producing forwards in the NHL when you account for ice time. So why would you not play him more? You're going to get more production because of that. But the other thing, too, is that, you know, Blake Wheeler, at this point in his career, is best situated. Seeing his minutes basically flip-flop with Nikolai Ehlers. I think you get a more productive and a more efficient Blake Wheeler if you give him 16 minutes a night instead of 20 minutes a night. So I, I think that this season we do see that change finally take place. And the final thing to keep an eye out for, and maybe I'm reaching on this one a little bit, but I don't know. I, I think we might see this come into play here in Winnipeg. But I wonder how much the upcoming Olympics and the upcoming decision with who makes it onto an Olympic roster could see some improvement with the Winnipeg Jets forward group. And look, I, I know that Every team in the NHL, pretty much every team in the NHL, is going to have, you know, a few players make an Olympic roster for, for some country. And, and I, I get that. And it's not just exclusive to the Winnipeg Jets. But I'm wondering if we see a little bit more motivation, a little bit more fire, a little bit more attention to detail as well in the all-around game for somebody like Mark Shifley this upcoming season. Because while the points would point to no doubt about it, Olympian, even for a stacked Canadian roster. The defensive play for the past couple of seasons might keep Mark Shifley off Canada's forward group. He just might. I mean, the Athletic had him as a healthy scratch for the upcoming Winter Olympics. So it's not like he's a no doubt about it stone cold lock to make the team. And I wonder if just hearing whispers about that here and there could be enough to take Mark Shifley's game to a new level this season. And, and you know what? The same could go for a guy like Kyle Connor, who, despite being one of the better goal scorers in the NHL these past few seasons, might see himself squeaked out of Team USA because they're pretty deep out there on the wing. And if you're not going to bring it defensively, you know, they have a couple other wingers that are, you know, maybe not as prolific goal scorers as Kyle Connor, but they're point of game players themselves. And if they can bring it defensively a little bit, well, Team USA might lean towards those players over Kyle Connor. So I wonder, you know, like with those two and, and maybe even Blake Wheeler, you could throw him in as well. But, you know, you wonder how much he wants to maybe play in the Olympics with the Stanley Cup ultimately being his main goal. And at 34-35, maybe you, you ease up on the minutes a little bit. But I, I wonder when you have a few bubble players, a few Olympic bubble players like that, if the carrot dangling in front of them this upcoming season is enough to take their games to new heights, and obviously that would benefit the Winnipeg Jets in a very positive fashion. I'm hoping so, at least, because, you know, even though you're playing more games and, and there's not as much rest, I do feel like 
heading to the Olympics really can take a player's game to another level. We, we've seen a number of examples over the years. I think Blake Wheeler is, is a great example of that, actually, back in uh, Sochi in 2016. I think we saw a much better Blake Wheeler after his Olympics experience. But we'll see if that's the case for Shifley and company this year. Either way, Olympics or not, I got the Winnipeg Jets with the number eight best forward group in the entire NHL. But let me know what you think on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Too high? Too low? Or does eight sound about right for the Winnipeg Jets? Well, I'll set up a poll too to get a sense of where the fans would have or do have the Jets ranked. And we'll get into all of your comments and what you have to say on Friday's episode. But that's it for today. Like I said, back at it on Friday with your comments on where the Jets forward group ranks across the NHL. Plus, maybe we'll talk some Burger Week. I I held off on any interviews for this Friday just because crazy time for everybody participating. I know people are just exhausted, so I didn't want to burden them with uh, doing an interview on top of it all. But maybe I'll unveil my must-try list because I've had I've I've dummied about ten plus burgers right now. I, I I've kept a pretty solid pace at the start. We'll see if that continues over the next week or so. But I'll let you know my picks for best in Burger Week so far in 2021. Until then, though, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Back at it on Friday. I'm your host Brandon Rewicki. Peace.